This is Matt Raymond at the Library of Congress. Each year, thousands of book lovers of all ages visit the nation's capital to celebrate the joys of reading and lifelong literacy at the Library of Congress National Book Festival, co-chaired in 2009 by President Barack Obama and First Lady Michelle Obama. Now in its ninth year, this free event held Saturday, September 26th on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., will spark readers' passion for learning as they interact with the nation's best-selling authors, illustrators, and poets. Even if you can't attend in person, you can still participate online. These podcasts with well-known authors and other materials are available through the National Book Festival website at www.loc.gov bookfest. It's now my pleasure to talk with Ricky Miner. Mickey Miner, Mr. Miner, I should say, is the... I'll just fumble there. We'll go right ahead. Uh, Mr. Miner is the Emmy-nominated music director for the international sensation American Idol. He's traveled extensively to collaborate with some of the top recording artists of our time, including Whitney Houston, Christina Aguilera, Alicia Keys, Ray Charles, and Beyonce. His impressive resume also includes the Grammys and the Super Bowl. And new to his list of accomplishments is his best-selling memoir, There's No Traffic on the Extra Mile. Mr. Miner, welcome to you. Well, thank you. Pleasure to talk with you today. Uh, The last time I saw you, you were actually at the Library of Congress, and you were helping celebrate the achievements of Stevie Wonder as he was given the Gershwin Prize for Popular Song. Tell me what that was like for you. Uh, that was such an incredible evening. You know, um, I've worked with Stevie over the last, I would guess, uh, over the last 10 years or so closely. And uh, when I received the call to come in and produce this this tribute to him, I was honored. And uh, working with the various, you know, he really wanted to show uh, the wide range of of music genres that that really spark him and interest him. So it was you know we wanted to make sure there was someone from the jazz idiom and and classical, and opera and and so on and so forth. So it was a nice eclectic group of people. Now, if we can just uh, I guess go back in time a little bit, what made you decide that you wanted to pursue a career in music? Well, you know, I uh, started out at 14 years old uh, playing the bass guitar and emulating Jermaine Jackson because we had a, a singing group uh, that, you know, all, all kids wanted to emulate the Jackson 5 at that time. And we're talking about around 19, uh, early, uh, mid-70s, 74, 73, 74. And uh, I really... I played bass because I sang Jermaine Jackson's part, so that's the only reason I played that instrument. But uh, I think you know, music is such a great thing, and, and anything you can do creative, and it just sparked a, an interest in me that that I couldn't couldn't shake and, and never wanted to after that. What do you think is uh, the key to the success that you've had? I, you know, I, I think part of it is is working diligently and working hard at something that that you love uh, and finding that that thing that you love and and having the talent to go with the passion. But the other part, I think the other fifty percent is your ability to uh, work with people. And I think that people want, uh, to feel like, you know, you really care about them and you're easy. You know, I always say, happy to be here, easy to work with. And that's what people want. They don't want any drama at work. If you're difficult, you don't show up on time. I mean, there are a lot of variables why, why people sabotage their own success. 
Now, I know that uh, one of your mentors is the legendary Quincy Jones. How was he important to your life? Well, you know, I, I he was very important because, you know, when you meet someone who is doing or has done what what is your passion and your desires, then you get a glimpse at what it takes just from their their aura, their presence is huge. So if you can uh, surround yourself with the people who are doing the things that you want to do, and that's what, what I was able to do by meeting him and not pushing myself on him but being there and letting him recognize that I was passionate about the music for the sake of the music and for nothing else. Now, if we could talk about your book a little bit, There's No Traffic on the Extra Mile. It's very inspirational and, and motivational. Uh, what could you, how would you uh, describe your book? Well, I, I would describe it as, as a uh, self-help memoir uh, with, with the intent to help you uh, figure out how to get out of your own way and how to manifest your destiny. And uh, so the stories are short, just short stories uh, about... Uh, uh, various ways uh, how to get out how how to get out of your own way chapters like blinded by arrogance short story about me and the mistakes that I made and what I learned from it and you know to where you can have a gift in a certain area and and feel like you know like you've arrived and your own arrogance can really stop you from moving forward and what inspired you to write the book uh, I started in, um, I believe it was January last year, and uh, I had six months to write it, and then all of the other preparations of uh, of the uh, copy editing and all of the packaging had to be done for release, uh, and it was released in uh, in um, December of last year. So it's it's been out now about about nine months. Okay. Uh, well, and I like uh, tens of millions of other people. Am an avid American Idol fan. So I'm I'm wondering are are the lessons in the book the same kinds of things that you mentor the the contestants in? Absolutely. Uh, there's there are five main chapters, and at the end of each chapter, there is a story that relates to the uh, American Idol contestant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it really gives it because I really believe that the the American Idol experience really encapsulates uh, the uh, the the journey that we all face. You know, they face the same fears of how to they they just do it in a short period. But mm-hmm. we all want to know how to get to our passion and then how to work in that. And the natural act of, I have a chapter called The Natural Act of Hitting the Wall, and we all will face a time where we uh, push ourselves to the limit and there's a, a, a breakdown, be it a mental breakdown or a physical breakdown. You know, uh, if, if you work, push so hard, and then you get a cold. I mean, how do you recover from those things as a singer? If you're an athlete and you have a... a you know, you sprain your ankle or, or something physical happens, how do you prepare yourself for those setbacks, you know, that we all face? Now, I think your your book uh, clearly tries to impart a lot of advice and knowledge. Is there anything that you think you learned about yourself in the process of writing it? 
Uh, say it again, please. I'm sorry. I, I said uh, the book is obviously full of advice and, and I think uh, can really help impart knowledge. And what I'm curious about is if the process of writing it helped you learn anything about yourself. Well, absolutely. I mean, there's no way that you can uh, not grow from having uh, an opportunity to sit down and reflect on your journey. So I think that it really helped me to understand how important relationships are because, you know, there comes a time when you're working and you feel like you can do it on your own, but this book has helped me uh, to realize that you need, you know, you don't, you need everyone to, to help you move forward in your life in every area. So not just work, but you need your family, your friends, you need those relationships to be strong. And I think that it helped me to reach out to some relationships that were damaged uh, uh, for one reason or other. Either either one or both of us were short-sighted in, in our view of, of what happened and, and just misinformed. I, I had people who may have been angry about something that I didn't even know. You know, I had people who were angry with me and uh, for not hiring them for a job, not knowing that I had called them and they never got the message. So, I mean, little simple things like that Hmm. and repairing your relationships, you know. Mm -hmm. One of the stories I found interesting from your past is about, uh, it's related to Whitney Houston's uh, famous, I think iconic, really, 1991 performance of the Star-Spangled Banner. But at the time, there, there was actually resistance to that version? Well, absolutely. Well, you know, you have to remember that um, change is something for all of us that is very difficult to readily accept because, you know, we're so used to the status quo. You know, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It just it works. Mm-hmm. And this is a national anthem after all, and no one had taken any liberties or any opportunities to change the national anthem. It was exactly the way it is every time you hear it. Mm -hmm. And so it had the waltz tempo and no one. So when I introduced this new arrangement to it, it was definitely some resistance. And and it's only until it's proven that people will not only accept it, but now use it as, you know, I mean, it it is the bar in which the national anthem is sung. And I've produced uh, uh, several uh, since then with various artists, and they always go back to her version and use that as a, as a barometer. Yeah. And you put that in a 4-4 tempo? Is that yeah. correct? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that's memorable about that. Um, well, and that was inspired by, by uh, Marvin Gaye, had put it in a 4-4 tempo, but he really uh, put it out of time. I mean, it, wasn't in, it was in a 4-4 meter, but the the phrase would come in the middle of the bar at the end. Mm-hmm. And he just took his time and sometimes just let the let the drum machine go and and he did for the NBA All Star game. Uh, it's it's an amazing version and that was it was inspired by that. And talking to Whitney, she said the way he took his time. I want to be able to take my time. Yeah. Well, in retrospect, it uh, it sure seems like there shouldn't have been any resistance, and it was clearly uh, clearly the right choice. Uh, where, where would you say your greatest passion lies? Would it be in, in writing or in music, or have you stoked a new passion for writing? Well, you know, I, I, I never thought about writing, but I really enjoyed the process. And, um, it, you know, I wrote during the whole idle season, I would take a time, I'd set aside a time every Thursday 
for about four hours, I would sit down and write. And I think that that kind of of uh, plan really worked for me to continue to work. And, uh, you know, so I, I would love to be able to develop uh, my writing skills and be able to share more uh, of of my life and my stories with, and, and the hopes that it would, you know, help help uh, someone else who's trying to figure some of these things out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think something that's common for a lot of authors is writer's block. Did you ever experience that? You know, uh, because of the manner in which I wrote, I, um, I would write, I would uh, find subject matter that I thought was relevant, and I would talk into a tape player and have that transcribed, and then later go back and edit. So it was a different process for me. So it was a continual talking into this uh, tape player and just kind of purging my thoughts and feelings on 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 arrogance, on can't get what you want, maybe you're not ready for it. And so I had these titles that I wanted to talk about, uh, how I thought they were relevant to, to everyone, not just music, but to everyone. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's really frustrating when you can't get what you want and you can't figure out why you why why you're why why is it that you don't get this promotion or this raise or this job position that you interview for? And, and just because you want it is not enough. A lot of people think, well, I really want it bad. I really want it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it may not be for you or you may not be ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, who are some of your own favorite authors? Oh, you know, I, I in, uh, in my college years and in my travels, I love um, espionage and and uh, uh, the the more mystery uh, type books. I, I was a big Stephen King reader early on, and then mm-hmm. I love James Patterson, Robert Ludlum, uh, and I, so I, I love the the kind of uh, behind the scenes. I love, uh, um, but I, I especially love autobiographies. Mm-hmm. You know, because I always find it fascinating someone's journey. So in reading uh, uh, JFK, um, a, a lot of musicians, of course, uh, Miles Davis and Quincy Jones and uh, Louis Armstrong, Sam Cooke, uh, reading the, those autobiographies. But I, I've, you know, I love reading uh, a lot of a lot of uh, the the uh, the authors and their their perspective on life, you know, and their autobiographies. So. Uh, I love autobiography. Well, one one of our other podcasts is actually James Patterson, so uh, hopefully we you, you can give that a listen when we get that one posted. Oh, oh, I shall. <laughs> I shall. Um, what, uh, what what do you think is maybe the single most important or or the top, I guess, pieces of advice that you could give young people who wanted to uh, follow in your own footsteps, whether musically or uh, in in the literary world? Yeah, I I would say you know the 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 key is to identify your passion, and that's going to come with some trial and error. You'll have to try different things, and never uh, never consider uh, always consider everything to be an option. There, there's nothing that that shouldn't be in front of you for your consideration. And once you identify that, then seek out the professionals who are doing what it is that you want to do and really demonstrate your commitment to excellence, whatever, whatever uh, that skill is. 
and then go about the task of doing it. Commit yourself to doing it. Well, uh, Mr. Miner, before I let you go, I, I do want to ask you uh, what's next for you? What's on the horizon? I, I know that American Idol is gearing up right now, but uh, anything else you'd care to talk about? Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm working on the uh, United Negro College Fund tribute to um, Lionel Richie oh, great. on September 12th. And that'll be aired on NBC. And I'm doing. I'm an executive producer of the uh, VH1 Divas Live. Oh, really? And that'll that'll be on <laughs> on VH1 September 17th with uh, so, uh, several divas: um, jo- Jordan Sparks, uh, Kelly Clarkson, Adele. Uh, Leona Lewis, and we have a special guest that uh, hasn't been announced yet. Okay. And and these women will perform songs with other legendary artists such as uh, Melissa Etheridge, uh, Cheryl Crow, uh, and um, and so we're going to do some pairings uh, of you know with the artists and and people that 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 they admire. Uh, so it'll be a great show and some behind-the-scenes stuff. So look for that. And um, also, I'm uh, nominated again this year for an Emmy for Perfect. the for the Grammys. So that'll will be announced September 12th. So we're hoping we can change that introduction from Emmy nominated to Emmy award winning. I love it when people are nominated for an award for another award show. You have to love right. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's the it's the only way. <laughs> it's the only way to get get nominated for the uh, Emmy Awards that's for, for for outstanding music direction in television. Well, that's great, and congratulations, and uh, thank you very much for your time today. All right, thank you. Uh, the book is "There's No Traffic on the Extra Mile," and we'll be excited to hear more from Ricky Miner at the 2009 National Book Festival on Saturday, September 26th. It's on the National Mall from 10 a.m. to 5:30 p.m. The event is free and open to the public. And for more details and a complete list of participating authors, you can visit www.loc.gov/bookfest. From the Library of Congress, this is Matt Raymond. Thank you very much for listening.